Hey, I'm so glad that you guys are here today. If you are new, you're probably wondering, first off, who is this high school student on stage talking to us? And I'm not a high school student. I know I look like a high school student, but my name is Todd Cooper. I'm the student pastor here, and my wife, Samantha, and I have the privilege of hanging out with sixth grade through 12th grade, um, week in and week out. And um, I love you guys, but I love the students more, so. But I love you guys, and I'm glad that uh, I have the opportunity to share the word with you this morning. And I just wanna just let you know what God's doing. I like doing this every time I get up, what God's doing in the student ministry. Uh, we had a retreat last weekend, and you might have noticed I wasn't here. We had a retreat for the middle schoolers, and we had 28 to go, and it was just so awesome. We had so much fun. I got to throw oatmeal in kids' faces and throw paint on them and stuff like that. But most importantly, they were able to walk away understanding who God made them to be. And we explored that that weekend um, up in, just outside of Columbia at a retreat center, and it was so good. It was so awesome. So... Um, just to let you guys know what God's doing, God's working here in the church and the community, and it's so good to see. And I know I say that every time, but I believe it. I believe God's working. He's doing mighty things. So this morning, we're going to continue a series called Words and Pictures. We're talking about the parables of Jesus, and we're not talking about all of them because there's too many of them. But we've chosen a few, and we're exploring what is Jesus saying? What is he teaching us through these parables? And if you're familiar with parables, you might have an idea of what that is. If you're not, let me give you just an idea, a couple uh, maybe definitions of what a parable is. And obviously every, um, exam- or every definition or, or metaphor you know, breaks down at some point, but this is what we've come up with. A parable is an expression not to be understood literally, but symbolically or figuratively. Or a parable can be defined as a short story or descriptive wor- of descriptive words and vivid pictures used to reveal a deep spiritual truth. And I was thinking this week, and, and really what helps me to understand a parable and what a parable is, is when I think about movies. And I'm really not a movie type person. I don't go watch movies that often. My wife forces me to go get red boxes and watch them with her. Um, but I, I realize that a parable is much like a movie. A parable is is a way that Jesus communicated. He used a story, a realistic story, and uh, again, like, vi- like I said, vivid pictures and descriptive words to draw his audience in. He'd, he would talk in, in the language that they're used to and they use the words and the phrases they're used to, and he would draw them in, and at the end, he'd make a point, and I mean, many times he made, he made his point very clear, and it's almost a punch to the face sometimes for some of these people. They were not expecting what Jesus was about to say. And at the end of the parable, he makes a, a deep spiritual truth. He makes a deep point. And so in week one, this is week three of the series. Week one, Todd Colin, our senior pastor, shared with us the story or the, the parable of the shepherd and the sheep pen. And last week, Jared um, explored the, sh- the parable of the fig tree. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't heard those, if you weren't here, you can go online and check out those podcasts, listen to what they said, because it was, it was great. It was on point with what they said and um, challenging and, and refreshing. And it was just great to hear what they had to say about that. So, but this morning, we're going to talk about another parable. And uh, we're going to talk about actually two parables. It's the parable of the mustard tree or the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. And it's only three verses. So uh, you can lean over and, and tell your husband or your wife, hey, start making lunch plans because we'll be out of here soon. But that's what I thought as well at the beginning of the week. And I started to explore the kingdom of heaven is is a deep subject. There's a lot to it. And so we're going to jump in and explore this. And as uh, the, the mustard seed grew into a tree in this parable and the, and the leaven um, begins to spread throughout the dough, I also was thinking about in our household, Sammy and I, um, 
I was thinking in our household, what does it look like when things begin to grow? Because we're going to talk about what it looks like for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God to grow and what it, how it affects us. But what does it look like in our household for things to grow? And so if you know, as we, uh, you know we have a golden retriever. We've had him for 12 years since he was born. Sammy's had him. And this is our recent one. This is uh, Tegan. She is a mix, and we rescued her from Savannah. And she is the craziest dog I've ever had, but she's so sweet. She's so sweet. She cuddles with us. She jumps on us. She runs around the house, runs laps and laps and laps. And so there's two things in our house that have begun to grow within the last year. And this is one of them. And the other is a plant. My, my wife loves plants. She bought a plant. And that's what happens when you, you have two things in your house growing. Tegan did not like the plant. And that was the first time of three times. And now the plant is about that tall. Uh, so my wife is using her green thumb to bring it back to life. But that is Tegan. She's now 55 pounds, and she is awesome. I love that dog. All right, so that's what things look like in our house when they begin to grow. You're not alone. Last service, I had, I think a woman was crying because she was laughing so hard. She told me after service, she began to cry. So what does it look like for the kingdom of heaven to grow? All right? What is it, what, how does that affect our life? And so first off, let's go ahead and read this passage. If you want to, you can flip with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be behind us. And also, you guys can um, take notes in that worship folder. You can take notes and you can follow along on our app, which is Hilton Head Island Community Church. Find that in the app store. But flip with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. And I'll let you guys, I'll give you a second to find that. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people. This is just after he um, got done talking to a group of Pharisees and critics. He moved on from there, and he went down to um, the water, and he got in a boat, and he had a large crowd gather, and he began to preach. And um, Jesus was a smart man, because I didn't realize until I went to college that um, he did that, because when you speak over water, it amplifies the sound. And so maybe, maybe everybody in here is like, yeah, you didn't know that? Well, I'm not from Hilton Head Island. I'm from the mountains, so I have no idea. But Jesus got in the boat, and he began to speak, and, and he spoke to a large crowd. And this is one of the things he said. In verse 31 of chapter 13, it says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, Till it was all leavened. And so again, we're going to talk about the kingdom of heaven today. And, and first, before we dive into this parable, let me just mention a few things. Um, because if you're anything like me, when you hear kingdom of heaven, you might start thinking pearly gates. You might start thinking St. Peter. You might start thinking of all these things that maybe we might find in Revelation or this idea that we've had growing up through maybe picture books. But when Jesus speaks of the kingdom of heaven, and many times in the Bible, when, when uh, Jesus or the Old Testament prophets speak of the kingdom of heaven, they're not referring to necessarily a topographical location. They're not referring to a, a realm that we might envision. And so stick with me. Try to take a step back from that, that thinking that this is a realm. This is uh, defined by borders, that there's you know, a gate. And so when they talk about the kingdom of heaven, they're not talking about that. And they're, ne- they're referring to not necessarily the realm of God or the realm of heaven, but the rule and the reign of God. All right? And so if you're still lost, I'm going to dive into this. But they're talking about the rule and the reign of God. And so when I talk about the kingdom of Greece or the kingdom of Rome, you think borders, you think, 
Yes, I, I can picture where that is on, the, on a globe. But instead, it would be like talking about the kingdom of Caesar Augustus. The things that he did, the, the rules that he instituted, the, the way of life during that time. Or, or, you know, one of the, you know, you could talk about any of the, the Greek leaders, the Greek kings, and the, the Hellenization that they brought. And so when, you, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, which is used interchangeably, we talk about the rule and the realm of, of God, the, 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 what he's about, what he does. And so let's, let's explore what is he about. All right, uh, if you want to flip with me, Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11 will also be behind us. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. Now, I promise I won't make you be all over the Bible today, but I, I do want to read this. This is, this is, I think, very important, talking about the kingdom of heaven. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 says, The wolf shall lay down with the lamb, and the leopard shall lay down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in, my, in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea." And so what does this have to do with the kingdom of heaven? It's important to understand the, the history behind the kingdom of heaven and, and the, the Jews in this time, which this was written by Isaiah to the, the Israelites and, and the Jews who at this time were being extremely persecuted and at this time were being exiled under Babylon. They were being exiled. Babylon was, was taking over Israel and really trying to destroy Israel as a nation. And so, if you know the history of Israel, there are time, times, um, many times, and even today, that they, they face persecution, they face hopelessness. Babylon was brutal to them. Then they were under Persian rule, and they were, they were fairly nice. They allowed them to come back, and that's when they rebuilt the wall under Nehemiah. And then you go to the Greeks, and the Greeks were ruthless. The Greeks murdered them in unbelievable ways. They brutally murdered them. They forced Hellenization upon them. And one, one thing that is always mentioned when you talk about the Greeks' rule over the Jews is that at one point they took a, a pig, which is the most vile animal to a Jew, most disgusting animal, and they took a pig and they took it to the temple, the Jewish temple, and they took it upon the altar where they, they sacrificed animals to God, holy, clean, acceptable animals to God. And they took the pig and they, they slaughtered it on the altar as a way of basically spitting in the face of the Jews, saying, your God is not real. I sacrificed this to Zeus. And I sacrificed this pig on the altar. And at that point, the Jews had lost so much hope. They lost so much hope. They, they, they believed that the end of their nation was, was upon them. And this is when they became hopeless. And you have Hanukkah that comes out of this. And they, they make it through the Greek rule. And then the Romans come in and the Romans aren't aren't terribly nice to them either. And so Israel has a history of being persecuted, of being murdered, of being hopeless. And so the question is, can we relate with them? When, when they talk about the kingdom of heaven, when Israel refers to Isaiah chapter 11, they say, hey, all things will be made new. All things will be, bring, be brought back to how it's supposed to be. The lion and the lamb will lay down together. The child can play over the hole of, of, a, of a cobra. 
And so Israel looked forward to this. They said, oh, that day when the kingdom of heaven comes and all things will be just normal and how they should be. And they believed that a Messiah would come. They believed a Messiah would come and, and would bring force and, would, and gather people together and take over whoever was in charge at that time. So they take over Rome and the kingdom of heaven would be, um, would be established there. The rule and the reign of God would be established and Israel would be over all things. And that was their idea. That in the midst of all this persecution, this Messiah is going to come with a sword and he's going to be a political figure and he's going to take everybody out and the rule and the reign of God, the kingdom of heaven will be established. And it didn't happen that way. What happens is they wait and they wait and wait and this man comes on the scene by the name of Jesus. He says, I'm the Messiah, but I'm not going to do what you, what you think I'm going to do. It's going to be much different than that. And so how, does this apply to us? Let's go back to that question. Does this apply to us today in this age? Can we relate with the nation of Israel? Do we earnestly desire the kingdom of heaven, the rule and the reign of God in our families, in our classrooms, in our workplaces? Do we strongly desire that like they did? Well, let me give you a few stats, and I don't want you guys to get too discouraged because I'll bring it back around, and, and many times I believe that bad news makes the good news even better, and so here's the bad news. And, and, and asking, can we relate to, the, to Israel? Can we relate to the Jews in being hopeless and in need of something like the kingdom of heaven? And this is, this is something I've found this week. At this point today, in the United States, one in three children live in a fatherless home in our nation. More than 56 million, 56 million babies have been aborted since 1973. That's more babies than, in, in one year, more babies are aborted than, than all U.S. soldiers that we've ever lost in the history of this nation due to war. The number of active, me active members of the U.S. military that take their life each year now exceeds the number that are dying out on the battlefield. America has the highest incarceration rate and the largest total prison population in the entire world by a wide margin. Children in the United States are three times more likely to be prescribed antidepressants than children in Europe. There are more than three million reports of child abuse in the United States every single year. If you keep up with the news, it seems like this all the time, but maybe even more recently, it seems like we're always on the brink of war. Everybody wants to blow up everybody. Cancer is the cause of, of nearly 25% of all United States deaths. And if you have been around here long enough, or maybe if you're just visiting, in our county, in Beaufort County, one in 10 attend a church, have a church home. 90% of people do not have a church home in our county and are not regularly plugged into a, a life-giving church. And so some of you might say, you know, I, I heard some, some mouths drop. I heard some, oh my goodness. And some of you might say, yeah, I understand that that's going on in our nation, that's going on in our county, but I can even relate it to, to my own life. And, and, and maybe some of us are in here saying, I need the kingdom of heaven in my household for my children, for my marriage. I need the kingdom of heaven to come into the, my classroom and into the hallways where some of us might not even be able to imagine what happens in the hallways of our public schools and private schools and um, with our students these days, the things that I hear, it blows me away. 
blows me away, and I'm only six years out of high school. It blows me away what goes on. And so some of you might be able to relate, say, I understand we need the kingdom of heaven just as much, maybe even more than the Jews did back in the Old Testament. We need the kingdom of heaven. We need things to be made right. We need things to, to work out the way that God wanted them to work out, where we get along, where we love each other, where, where creation just works the way that it was intended to work. And so what do we do? Do we just hold on like the Jews did? I can't wait until the Messiah comes. I can't wait until the Messiah comes. I, I grew up in several churches, and in and, and a few of them, and even at, at college, I've gotten to know um, several people that, that are so intrigued and love studying the end times. And again, this is not a message about the end times, and, I, and, and stick with me. I'm not against that because Jesus calls us to be aware of what's about, what will go on. But this is what I've noticed. A lot of people who study the end times and, and, and have a fascination with it, they put their hope and they say, oh my gosh, this world is falling apart. I cannot wait until Jesus comes back. Jesus, just come back. They, they're praying and praying and praying that Jesus comes back. And I'm not against that either. I pray that Jesus comes back because there's so much hurt in this world. And when he comes back, Revelation 21 and 22 tells us that every tear will be wiped away. All things will be made new that the kingdom of heaven and the rule and the reign of God will be official and it will be all-encompassing. But for us to put our hope, to hang our head in shame of what's going on, to put our hope in, in someone coming, that almost seems as, oh, you know, there's no hope for right now. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse and there's nothing we can do about it. And I believe that Jesus communicates in this parable or these two parables that that's not the truth, that we don't have to wait until the end to have hope. And so what does this parable tell us? Again, it's, it's uh, the kingdom of heaven is compared to a mustard seed that's put in the ground. And in this time, that was a small seed that they, could, that they knew of. And this was the largest tree that they knew of. And so they, he used the parable of the, or he used a mustard seed as an illustration. Hey, the kingdom of heaven is like something that begins very small and begins to grow and grow and grow. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that is put into flour and it begins to expand and it begins to expand and eventually it takes over the entire, um, the entire three cups of flour. And so what is this parable telling us? The first thing I, I want you to understand is this parable tells us that, that the kingdom of heaven is present. The kingdom of heaven is present. This, this idea of all things being made new, that people you know, receiving healing, people living the way that God intended us to live is present. Is it here in its fullness? No. Turn on the news. It's not here in its fullness, but it is present. Go back to chapter 12 in Matthew, and you'll see that Jesus is speaking to his critics. He's speaking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are criticizing him about, um, about him healing a demon-possessed man, and he says, he turns to the Pharisees, and he says, if I heal this demon-possessed man, you will know that the kingdom of heaven is upon you, that is here in your midst. John the Baptist says, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he saw Jesus, he, he said that. And so the kingdom of heaven is present. But we have to balance it with this idea. And I'm sorry if, if I can't communicate in a better way. It's just God sometimes is complex. And this is the best way I can explain it. Is that the kingdom of heaven is present. Jesus makes that clear. But it's yet to come. It's present, in it, but it's yet to come. It hasn't come in its fullness we can have hope in, the, in the, the present nature of the kingdom of heaven that God is working and that God has brought the kingdom of heaven here by his son. But yes, there will be a day that we can look forward to even more so when every tear will be wiped away. 
And so the kingdom of heaven is present, but it's not yet. It's growing. The mustard seed, it starts small. Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven, and it continues to grow and continues to grow. If you enjoy history, um, you might know that that right after Jesus was crucified, he rose again, he ascended back into heaven. The disciples, uh, upon Pentecost, they, they just went crazy and started spreading the gospel everywhere. Disciples most likely went to India, and, and Paul started traveling around um, the Mediterranean area, and the gospel spread like wildfire. And now, today, Christianity is the dominant religion in the world. And some statistics say it's going the wrong way, it's going the other way, but in the southern hemisphere right now, in, in Africa and South America and Asia, Christianity is exploding. The kingdom of heaven is growing. It started as this mustard seed by the na- uh, through the name of a man by the name of Jesus Christ, and it is growing and it is growing and it is growing. And people are being saved and people are being healed and people, people are being reached in our world because the kingdom of heaven is growing. And so what does this matter for us? Again, coming back to what's going on in the United States, what's going on in our community, maybe what's going on in your household, and you so strongly desire for the kingdom of heaven to be, to be a reality in your life. How do, how, do we, how do we obtain that? How do we bring the kingdom of heaven to where we are? Because the truth is the kingdom is going to grow no matter what we do. You put yeast in flour, it's going to grow, and you can't stop that. You can't stop the growing kingdom, and God says, I'm, my kingdom is going to grow. The work has been done on the cross. Do you want to take a part of it? Do you want a part of what I have to offer? And so in our households, in our classrooms, in our workplaces, how do we bring the kingdom of heaven to those areas? How do we, how do we bring um, spiritual freedom? How do we bring spiritual healing, physical healing? How do we bring these things to the places that we find ourselves in. And uh, let, me, let me read this. Uh, let me make this point and I'll read this passage and give you an illustration. Understand this, that to understand the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, we must get to know Jesus. You want the kingdom of heaven to come into your workplace or into the, this area of your life where you might feel like it's hopeless, you might feel like there's no hope in the high school or the middle school or in your job. Understand that, that it's here that Jesus wants to bring it and that you cannot separate the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God from the person of Jesus Christ. You want to understand the kingdom of heaven, you have to understand Jesus Christ. If you want to understand Jesus, you're going to understand the kingdom of heaven. You call upon the name of Jesus, you're calling upon his rule and his reign and calling upon the kingdom of heaven. And so for me in in, in in my area of ministry with the youth ministry, asking Jesus to be present is asking for your rule and your reign to be present. For these students not to have to deal with what they deal with, the depression and the self-image. For you to ask for Jesus to be present in your homes is to say, God, may your rule and your reign be present in our marriage. May your rule and your reign be present in, in our children and, and how we treat our children and how we deal with our children. And so you cannot separate the kingdom of heaven from the person of Jesus. And so let me read this and give you an illustration of what this looks like. We talked about the, the mustard seed. We talked about the yeast. And this is maybe one other that is similar that you can put your eyes on if you like physical or if you like um, illustrations. 
like I do, then hopefully this will help. Let me read this. This is from Luke chapter 4. And this is Jesus when he, at the beginning of his ministry, he walks into a synagogue. And he, he for one reason or another, he's chosen that day to read the, the daily reading. He's chosen to read the scripture. And uh, this is in Luke chapter 4, and this is what Jesus says. And you just follow along and listen, listen to this. He walks and he picks up the scroll and he reads from the Old Testament. And this is what he reads. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. They looked upon Jesus because they knew that this was a passage in the Old Testament referring to the Messiah, and they're, they're still thinking the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to take over. He's going to bring his sword and, and you know, destroy the Roman Empire, and then he's going to set up his rule and his reign. And so they're looking at him like, you just read a messianic passage. You just read a messianic passage. What are you about to say about this? Because this is all they care about. This is all the Israelites care about is when is the Messiah going to come and rescue us? And this is what Jesus says. He says, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus says, you're looking at the Messiah. You're looking at the one who is going to bring this peace, who's going to bring this healing, who's going to bring the kingdom of heaven. And I've just brought it to you. And the people, some of them go nuts and they say he's a, her- he's a heretic. Some of them begin to realize Maybe it's not what I thought, but I believe this man. I believe that he is going to bring this thing because he's healing these people on the streets. He's bringing hope to a hopeless generation. And so just as I put food dye, food color into this water, and it began, began small and began to expand, when Jesus came on the scene and when we asked him to come into our lives, it might begin small, it might begin in our hearts. It might begin to change us, and it might begin to expand. We might begin to, to share that hope with, with those around us. But just as the yeast can't be stopped, there's nothing I can do to take this food coloring out of the water. The kingdom of heaven is present and is growing. It's not here in its fullness, and I can't wait until it comes in its fullness, but it's here, and we get to put our hope in the fact that it's here now. We can walk out of these doors today and say, I can go home and know that the rule and the reign of God is here in my life and in my home. I don't have to wait. And so this is, this is the one thing I want you to walk away from. If you don't get anything else, get this. This is, I guess we call it a sticky statement. Jesus appeals for us. He begs for us. He appeals for us for our participation in his presently growing kingdom. He appeals, he, he, he asks us to, to participate in his kingdom that is growing. He asks for us to invite him into our life and into every aspect of it, not just Sunday morning, but tonight, tomorrow, not just one day a week, but seven days a week. He asks us to, to invite me into your life and I'll begin to grow and I'll begin to make this kingdom a reality, this, this, this healing, this peace and this joy and everything that you that your heart desires, everything that your heart yearns for deep down that this world can't provide, I will begin to provide that for you. And so Jesus, he appeals for our participation. 
And so I ask myself and I ask each of us in here, are we participating? Do we understand that his kingdom is here now and do we participate in it? Do we, do we invite him and his kingdom and his rule and his reign into every aspect of our life? I'm going to pray here in a second and then the worship band will come back up. And this is what I want to do is we can't walk out of here making a list of, of how we're going to get the kingdom of heaven to come here to this island and, and into our lives then we'd be like every other religion, just writing a bunch of rules down and trying to accomplish them. If we want the kingdom of heaven to come, we simply just have to draw close to Jesus Christ. If we want what he can provide, we can't make up any formula to, to get that. We just have to draw close to him and ask him, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so... I'm going to pray over us, and I want to give you guys an opportunity to worship and to say, Jesus, come into my life. Be present. May your rule and your reign be present in all that I do. God, we thank you so much this morning for, for being with us. God, in this room. God, for being a God who is present and who loves us so much. And God, that you don't leave us without hope. God, that we can hope in you and we can hope in your rule and your reign because you are all-knowing and you're all-loving. God, we can hope in your rule and your reign that you will come and make all things right. God, you'll make all things new. God, that you, will, you can and you will fix marriages. You can and you will fix broken homes. God, you can and you will um, break addictions. God, you can and you will do what you've said you've done, which is to make all things right. But God, we have to lean into you and trust you and, and understand that this rule and this reign cannot be separated from your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross. So in this moment, God, may we seek you. May we seek your son, Jesus. And may we ask him to be present in our life so that this becomes a reality today and it changes how we live from here on out. Amen.